The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. This is the Employment Law Show. And welcome. It is Thursday evening. How about that? 6.32. Uh, John Scholes here. Of course, Lior Samfiru in attendance. Uh, you want to reach out anytime to Lior and talk off air. Here's how you do that. one 821 5900 You might know that already. And help at employmentlawyer.ca. You also have the option of pocketemploymentlawyer.ca, the free and anonymous website with the severance pay calculator rolled into that as well. But it is a live show over the next half hour, almost as you know. So feel free to grab a phone with your questions and come into the mix. 416-870-6400. We are ready to go if you are as well. Today, tonight on the show, things you should never do without calling Lior first. We'll get to those. But the case of the day, brother, what do you got, to, what do you got going on? Hey, John. I am... Uh... Surprising, surprise, uh, I'm answering a lot of questions. And just as you were starting to the introduction for the show, I was sending one last email to someone. Listen, people need to know their rights. People need to have answers to their questions. So this is what I want to do over the next 30 minutes with our listeners. You know, we, we appreciate you all listening, but you have to also take that next step. Call us so that we can help you. Maybe you have a question about a non-compete. Maybe you have a question about a right to disconnect. Maybe you lost your job. Maybe you have a vaccine question, whatever the issue. I tell, I'm telling you right now, there are solutions, there are answers, and there are things that you can do. We wouldn't be on the air for 10 years just to tell people, hey, sorry, can't do anything. You have rights. We can tell you what those are. You may not even appreciate how many rights you have here in Ontario. So take us up for uh, on, a, on that challenge and give us a call. And let's talk about your rights. And, of course, we will give you my contact information throughout the show. If you want to connect with me off air, if you want to have a private discussion by phone or by email, that's uh, something you can look forward to uh, this show. But to get us started, John, case of the day. So I spoke with a, a lady who uh, was let go because of her vaccine status. Now, that in itself is not unusual. We've talked about this on the show. Over the past seven or eight months, I've spoken yeah. with hundreds and hundreds of people across Canada that have been let go because of their vaccine status. What made this one particularly interesting is that this person has always been for five years now a remote employee. She's always worked remotely. She, in fact, li- lives probably about 60 or 70 kilometers away from her, uh, where her employer is located. And she's not going back. She's not going into the office. She never has, never will, uh, not expected of her. But despite that, her employer said to her, unless you can show us proof of vaccination, we won't employ you. Now, John, employers in the past have tried to justify vaccination mandates by saying, well, we're trying to protect the workplace. You know, whatever you may think about vaccines, certainly that is an admirable goal. There's nothing wrong with that, of course, wanting to ensure the protection and the safety of the workplace. Nothing wrong at all. But she works remotely. (laughs) How does that help the workplace? Who does that protect at work? The fact that she's 70 kilometers away is vaccinated or not vaccinated. And to make matters worse, they're letting her go for cause. John, they're saying that you not being vaccinated at home is so bad that we can let you go without any compensation, without severance. Now, the example I'm going to give here is this. Some employers have uh, no scent policies, so you can't wear perfume at work or, sure. or cologne 
because some mm-hmm. people are sensitive to the smell, so they have policies. Can you imagine if you're working from home and your employer says, you're not allowed to wear cologne at home. And if you wear cologne <laughs> at home, right. we're going to let you go for cause. That would be silly, right? That would be ridiculous. Well, it's just as ridiculous in this situation. Uh, so I don't know what this employer is thinking. And obviously, I will help her. I'm going to get her the compensation that she's owed. But John, this is actually not the first time I've been dealing with remote employees, employees that work remotely, that have been fired for cause because of their vaccine status. Nonsense. Ridiculous. Can't be justified. By the way, John, even if she had worked in the office, she probably would still be entitled to severance. But working remotely, that's just so obvious. So, I mean, it really made me shake my head. And by the way, this was not a tiny little uh, mom and pop shop that has no idea. This is actually a larger employer. They really should have known better. Uh, Well, you know, they will know better once I contact them. You better believe that. Is it the fact they just want bragging rights? You know, all of our employees are vaccinated on their website. What what would be their, you know, I don't understand the, the, the reason behind them being so steadfast in this. Well, I, I, what they're saying is it's a fairness thing. So we're telling our employees in office that they have to be vaccinated. So it's unfair for you not to be vaccinated. But again, going back to my perfume example. So it's would it be unfair to say, well, you are in the office, can't wear perfume, but at home, someone else can? Like, it's silly. It's ridiculous. Yeah. You're not comparing apples to apples. Totally. So it, they're saying uh, fairness. I, I call nonsense so uh yeah i'll make sure that she gets the compensation that she's owed yeah i know you're gonna say there and i agree with you 100 uh, yeah. percent 416-870-6400 416-870-6400 to call the show now live and, and talk to us but i want to get to this uh these topics for the for the day it's great things you should never do without calling leor first again these are things that people might just say you know what that's it's it, this is not a big deal my neighbor steve told me about this i'll make the phone call and handle it no 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 you do not want to do it that way you want to make that phone call either here now or off air uh, at that number that i'll give you and just get some clarity and some education on the uh, on the whatever matter it is first one is this never contract the ministry of labor for advice if you've been let go that's one of the oldest rules we have in this show so last time I was on air here with you, uh, John, was on Tuesday, and we had a caller that said that when she was let go, she had worked for an employer for, I don't know, two and a half years, I think she said. She contacted the Ministry of Labor, and the Ministry of Labor got her two weeks severance. Well, what did I tell her? I tell her, oh, gosh, you unfortunately made a huge mistake because your full entitlements, her full entitlements, were probably about four months of severance, but because she went to the Ministry of Labor, she gave up her entitlements. So. That's why it's important to understand what happens here. The Ministry of Labor, the Labor Board, if you are let go, can only help you get your minimum entitlements. Well, what's the problem with that? Well, the problem is that your minimum entitlements are only a small fraction of what you're actually owed, of the severance, the full severance that you're owed. So because of that, you're not going to be able to get your full entitlements, but it gets much worse than that. By going to the Ministry of Labor, the Labor Board, uh, and, and getting their help, you are now prevented from getting your full entitlements. For this lady, that meant she, she ended up getting two weeks' pay instead of four months' pay. I've seen situations where people got eight weeks instead of 24 months. So, no, you cannot ever, ever, ever go to the Ministry of Labor if you lost your job, not with respect to your termination and severance entitlements. You absolutely can go there if you have an overtime issue, a vacation pay issue. Absolutely. But not if you lose your job. And by the way, we're saying don't do things before you call me. That's fine. If you don't like me, call someone else. But we're talking about things you should never do, certainly without getting legal advice. 
More of those talking points coming up. But as always, the phone calls, we love them, love and take you part of the show. Jason, what's your question tonight? Good afternoon, gentlemen. Um, genuinely calling for a friend. Excellent. Um, about six months ago, um, manufactured a robust severance package for himself, uh, was on the verge of constructive dismissal and said, hey, gentlemen, this can go one way or another. They gave him a severance package well into the six figures. Uh, unbeknownst to a lot of us and unbeknownst uh, to me until today, he's been working uh, same level, same job family in a competitive space. That's neither here nor there. And he's on continuous salary. Uh, Leora, I'll let you explain what that is. And um, he says if he comes out in public, like updates his LinkedIn, what have you, then they're going to chop his continuous salary. And I just wanted to know, is, that, is a clause like that actually binding? So for, for reference, for those that may not understand exactly what happens here, so it, it seems like he agreed to a severance arrangement that says that the company will continue paying him over time, but if he finds another job, he has to tell them, and then they'll cut him off and maybe give him a portion of what's outstanding. That Correct. is very common, and yes, it is binding if that's what you've agreed to it. Now, oftentimes we negotiate those terms out and we, we negotiate lump sum payments, but that's okay, neither here nor there. If that's what he agreed to, then that's binding on him. And here's the problem. If he kind of gets away with it and they never know, then I guess, you know, it is what it is. He got away with it. But if they find out, even if it's two years later, they found out that, wait a second, he was working then, so we overpaid him. Guess what's going to happen? They'll sue him. And wow. they'll be very successful in that. And they'll be able to get other damages and, and payment for legal fees. So honestly, it's not worth it. Because it, 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 all it takes that. is someone saying someone to, saying to someone, hey, I saw Bob at a trade show. And there you go. Yeah. So uh, my, my advice to anyone like that would be, don't do it. If you sign it, maybe it wasn't the best deal. I don't know. But if you sign it and now it's binding on you, don't mess with it because you'll get sued. Well, it complicates it for me. Uh, I was a vendor of his at his last company, and I'm going to be a vendor at this new company. So I got to keep it under wraps as well. And in fact, he said, listen, I'm good with it. I don't want to tell anybody because I don't want to put anybody else in a compromising position. Right. Yeah, well, he, he put you in that, unfortunately. But listen, all I can tell you is that, and they may not find out now, but even if they find out, honestly, years later, yeah. because the limitation period for them was only going to start two years from when they find out. So if they find out five years from now, they can still go after him. So that's, yeah, that's what I would say here. Absolutely yeah. inevitable. Both, both big enterprise companies, competitive landscape, it's just wow. a matter of time. Yeah, yeah, Jason. Appreciate the call. Should he, should he should his buddy just fess up now and just you know rip off the bandaid? Like what what does he do? Or just keep trying to get away with it? I would absolutely fess up now. And you know if he yeah. if he is already overpaid, uh, gotten overpaid some severance, he'd have to pay it back. But at least he'd yeah. avoid a lawsuit and a much bigger problem. The chances of actually being able to get away with it long term are very small. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we're moving on here. Things you never should do without calling Lior first. We'll get to another one of these before we take a break. And the next one is in a temporary layoff situation, sit home and relax and wait to be called back to work. Well, you know, let's start with the idea, John, that a, a temporary layoff is not something an employer is allowed to do. If you've been put on a temporary layoff, you actually don't have to accept it. It's not your employer's decision. It is yours, the employees. You can decide whether to accept it. And like you said, wait at home and hope for the best. 
or you can treat it as a termination and make your employer uh, uh, pay you severance. Now, the reason why you don't want to just wait, at least now without getting some advice, is this. The problem with waiting is if you get called back to work, you've now accepted this and you've given your employer the right to do it again. And you may think, you know what, this is a one-off situation, so I'll accept it and I'll wait to get called back to work. That's fine and that's admirable. But the problem is if it happens the second, third, fourth, and tenth time, you won't be able to do anything about it because you let it happen that first time. So you may find yourself working for a few months, then laid off for a few months and back and forth. Not a very good way to, to, to work and earn a living. So when it comes to temporary layoffs, you really have to consider, do I accept this or do I not? And what am I giving up if I accept this? If you're ever in that situation, whether it's because of COVID or for any reason, we really need to talk. And that will usher in our first break. We'll take a short one to get right back to it to reach Lior. In the meantime, one 821 5900 and help at employmentlawyer.ca. But you got plenty of time to call in just like Jason did. We love talking to you. 416-870-6400. Employment Law Show continues. Hang on. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Welcome back to the Employment Law Show. It is 6.47, and welcome back to the show indeed. Yeah, 416-870-6400 to call in now and ask your questions. Failing that, you want to reach out afterwards? No problem. That is help at employmentlawyer.ca, the email address, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca, and 1-855-821-5900. But moving on to our uh, topic and more of these uh, point, uh, points from the topic of the day, things you should never do without calling the or first number three, and we've talked about this, but make sure you remember this one. Sign a new employment agreement, especially, especially if you're already employed, right? Definitely don't do that. Do not sign a new employment agreement if you're employed uh, before talking to me. Let's be very clear. That employment agreement is bad news. If you're working, you have a job, everything's fine, you show up, your employer now wants you to sign a new employment agreement, or maybe there's a there's a, a timing thing. Well, we're, we're giving you a raise or a promotion, we want you to sign a new employment agreement. Well, not so fast, okay? You may think, okay, well, I want to have a, a dollar an hour raise. Who wouldn't? So, yeah, I don't care. I'll sign an employment agreement that says that. That may sound, that may sound just fine, except it's not, because I can almost guarantee you that that what that employment agreement takes from you is a heck of a lot more than an extra dollar an hour. The reason an employer wants a new employment agreement, it's not because they, they just want to have a piece of paper or because they think it's good for the employee. It's because it's good for the employer. And an employment agreement, often what it would do is it would take away your future severance. It could be the difference between getting eight weeks severance and getting two years severance. An employment agreement can do that, and employers start understanding that, so they want you to sign something that says that. Or the employment agreement can give the company the right to make all kinds of changes to your job, to demote you, to relocate you, to change your pay. So you may agree on the one hand to an extra dollar an hour, which is great, but the next line may say, but we have the discretion to change it at any time. So essentially, you're agreeing to work for by the employer paying you whatever they want to pay you. 
not a good idea. And there's many other things that an employment agreement can do. So if you're presented with a new employment agreement, do the smart thing. Send me a copy. Let's talk about it. Let's look at it. Let's see what it says and what it does. And if it's fine, it's fine. Great. Go ahead and sign. But if it's not fine, at least you'll know. You can address that with your employer or even say, I'm not signing it, which you don't have to. But please, ever don't ever sign an employment agreement, a new employment agreement, without speaking to me. This next one is funny because it's there's so much misunderstanding and misconception with, the, with this one. We had a call actually last night with uh, with your uh, your partner Andrew Goldberg about this one. That is make assumptions about your status as an independent contractor. A lot of confusion there. Oh my gosh, so much confusion there. And you know, there I guarantee you, John, there are people listening to us right now. Maybe many people who believe and know, and then they just are sure that they're yep. independent contractors, and they're not. They're actually employees. And remember, there is only one way to determine or, or one way to decide if you're an employer contractor, and that's the law determines that. You don't decide that. The company doesn't decide that. I don't decide that. So the law makes that determination. And essentially how the law operates is if you look like an employee and act like an employee, you're an employee. Now, of course, I'm simplifying here, but that's essentially what it comes down to. It doesn't matter what you sign. It doesn't matter uh, what how you pay your taxes. None of that matters. It matters whether you have a regular job. It matters whether you're working under the direction of the company. It matters whether you have a bunch of companies you work for or just work for the one company. Now, if you make assumptions, here's how that's going to hurt you. If you assume that you are a contractor when you're not, let's say you lose that job then company doesn't pay you severance because they say you're an independent contractor. And you say, yeah, you're right. I am an independent contractor, so I guess I don't get severance. So you walk away, no severance. Except if you've been misclassified and you are really, in the eyes of the law, an employee, then guess what? You are owed severance. Yeah. And that severance could be as much as two years pay. I, I once had a client that was a, a bookkeeper. She worked for a company for more than 20 years, was let go, paid no severance because she was, quote, unquote, an independent contractor. Nonsense. Of course she wasn't an independent contractor. She was an employee. We got her a lot of severance. So please don't ever make assumptions. And if you want to find out right now if you're an employee or an independent contractor, go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Again, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. We have a tool there that allows you to actually find out if you're an employee or a contractor. I promise you, you'll be surprised. And what could be almost as bad as if you've been, you know, working under the assumption that you are an independent contractor and misfiling taxes accordingly, you can get some serious hot water with the CRA, right? Well, absolutely. You think, yeah, I'm an independent contractor. I signed a, an agreement with a company, so I'm going to file my taxes like an independent contractor. So I'm going to deduct my, my mileage and my mortgage and my kids' daycare, whatever it is. And if CRA ever looks at this and they say, well, wait a second, you're actually not. You're, you've been misclassified. You're an employee. Well, what do you think they're going to want? They're going to want uh, penalties, potentially. They're going to want back taxes that you owe them. So you really want to get this right, okay? And it's not enough to just call yourself an independent contractor. If it was that easy that anyone and everyone could be independent contractors, it's not that easy. If you're not sure, give me a call. Still got a few minutes to go. You got some time to pick up a phone and ask a question here on air. 416-870-6400 is how you do that. Next thing you should never do without calling the or contacting his team is oh, obviously sign a severance letter. Big time. That is the big one. And it's uh, literally where the money is. Okay. Because <laughs> what, what is a severance letter? Severance letter says, here's the money we're going to pay you. So uh, let's start with the idea. And this is based on 
20 years of doing this and literally thousands of people uh, helped is that 90% of the time, and for 90% of the people, 90% the John, that's a huge amount. Yep. That severance offer is a lot less than what it should be. In the vast majority of cases, about 90%, whatever you've been offered, whether it's six weeks, six months, or anything else, is actually probably a half or, or a quarter of what it should be. So right off the bat, if you're staring at a severance letter, you have to assume that that offer is inadequate. The problem is if you sign it anyway, because you didn't know any better, because you felt the pressure, because there was a deadline, then that then you're stuck. You can't do anything. You can't go back and you can't say, wait a second, I didn't know. So that's why you cannot sign that severance offer without getting advice. The difference could be thousands, tens of thousands, even hundreds of thousands of dollars. So you can't do that. Now, I know that there's a deadline. Every severance letter has a deadline. You have to sign this by Friday. Don't worry about it. Ignore it. Yeah. That offer doesn't expire Friday. Your legal rights don't expire Friday. They don't expire for two years. So what do you do? You call me. We talk about it. We make sure you get what you're owed. It's not a complicated process. usually resolves very quickly. So do the right thing so you don't regret it. Next one down the list, again, equally as important, don't accept changes to the terms of employment. That's a, that's a long list of things that can be changed too, right? So if your employer makes a significant change, they, uh, they change your shift from morning to afternoon, they reduce your pay, uh, they, you know, they do anything like that. They're not allowed to. The problem is if you accept it, if you accept it, you've now given them the right to do it again. So you may have said, okay, well, I'll take this uh, $2 an hour pay cut. I'm not happy, of course, who would be, but I'll take it. And well, the problem is you accepted this $2. Well, next time they reduce you by two or four or seven, there's nothing you're going to be able to do because you let it happen that first time. So don't just accept changes without speaking to me. When you speak to me, we can, number one, talk about whether what other options you have. Is it a constructive dismissal? Is it not? How do you respond? Do you respond? Yeah. Uh, do you try it out for a while? For how long? We can talk about all that. Make sure your rights are not compromised. But please, when you're faced significant changes, don't just accept them and hope for the best. That never ends up uh, going well. And that one can sometimes lead to this one where you get uh, upset by it. You quit because you're uh, faced with a workplace issue you don't like, and so you walk out the door. So, and I know that happens fairly often. You know, I, I was upset with my company. I didn't think they were treating me properly. So I, I, I said, that's it. I'm out of here and I leave. And right. I understand that. But in many of those situations, if you, the company puts you in this difficult situation that you feel that you have to quit, the law may consider that to be a termination. The law may consider that to be a constructive dismissal. So what I want to do is I want to make sure that even though you're quitting, we can get you severance. We can get you the compensation that you're owed. But to do that, we need to do it smartly. I don't want you to just show up one day, tell your boss, today's my last day and leave. I want us to do it properly. I want to put something in writing to your employer saying, here's why I'm leaving. Here's what's happened here. I want to lay the groundwork for it so that we can pursue a constructive dismissal. So be very smart about it. Don't just quit without speaking to me first because you may be owed compensation even though you are the one quitting. What happens if you're like, uh, I just did that today, Lior, uh, am I out of time? Can I crawl back and beg for my job? So you you have uh, usually, let's call it 24, maybe 48 hours to kind of uh, take back a, a heat of the moment resignation. Right. If you contact your employer in writing and say, okay, heat of the moment, I want to back to work, I didn't mean what I said. If they don't take you back, it's considered a termination. If it's heat of the moment. Now you can't say, employer, remember four weeks ago when I quit, that was heat of the moment. No. That's too late. But in the first couple of days after that heat of the moment situation, you know, you kind of blew up, then you calmed down, you realized there was a mistake, 
You can't take it back. If you try to do that and your employer won't let you do that, they say too late, we're not accepting that, that becomes a termination. You need to call me because yes, you'd be owed severance even though you're the one that decided to walk out of the out of out of work. And with that, we are out of time for tonight. We're back in here Saturday morning, of course, for an hour. So join us then. In the meantime, uh, reaching the or one eight five five eight two one. 5900 simple right help at employmentlawyer.ca and as we've mentioned so many times tonight and we uh, we will continue to do so super handy pocketemploymentlawyer.ca we'll catch you next time the employment law show the preceding was a paid commercial program unless otherwise identified the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser the opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of chorus entertainment